The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to Neo Reality Collective. I'm your host Eric Brown and today we're tackling the 34th episode of Neo Reality Collective. Let's get right into things and get get things underway. So one of the big topics that came out of this week was the official Thor Love and Thunder trailer that showcased a ton of Chris Hemsworth stuff, Thor being, well, Thor and being awesome. And last but not least, we get the we get the Guardians interacting with him. Uh, yeah. And last but not least, uh, we got the appearance of Jane Foster for uh, the Goddess of Thunder. The story synopsis came out after the trailer was released, revealing that the film finds Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a quest for inner peace, but his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore, the God Butcher, played by everyone's favorite loving actor, swear to me, Christian Bale, who seeks the extinction of the gods. Uh, you might be a little late for that. <laughs> To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, or Queen, Korg, aka the funniest the revolution has begun, and his ex-girlfriend, so that's probably an equally dump- dumping uh, awkwardness, um, Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, who, to Thor's surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer Mjolnir as the mighty Thor, repaired unexpectedly and currently unknown who repaired it. And people were bringing up in the debate about, wait, how come she can wield the hammer, but uh, Captain America can wield the hammer because, well, he's just that great of a guy. But we never really got an establishment of how Jane Foster is worthy of it. Well, I could... This is my speculation. I think the idea is that... That whoever repaired Mjolnir, which would be tough to do, and I seriously hope they just don't have a character off-screen do it, like Jane Foster fixed it herself after finding it, though that would explain how she even found it, where it even came from. If I had to guess, the super powerful character, probably the God Butcher himself, in order to, you know, <laughs> shock everybody or something as part of his nefarious plan, repaired it, and found a way to remove the enchantments of the of mighty Odin. So that's probably the reason why she could wield it, because we never saw any indication she was, quote, worthy of the hammer, unlike Captain America, and they've established that he was worthy of it, even all the way back in Age of Ultron. So we, we'll probably find out when the film comes out, but like I said, we'll see. 
Xbox veteran remembers that they tried to buy Activision Blizzard long before the Activision Blizzard deal. So they tried to buy Blizzard, but former Xbox Vice President Ed Fry says that he tried to buy Blizzard multiple times during his tenure at Microsoft before he left in 2004 during a podcast with Xbox Era. He applied the Activision when it made sense, giving Microsoft's history of PC platform, saying, I was a huge Blizzard fan. If you think about the roots of our PC gaming business, it was real-time strategy. Warcraft, of course, was their biggest product. And things would have been different. So, back in 1994, learning software company Davidson & Associates acquired Blizzard, which was the name Chaos Studios back then. In 96, Davidson & Associates was acquired by Syndic Software, which Fryers recalls losing out on, saying, I just got outbid by a timeshare camping business. Okay. Then that company was put on sale along with Blizzard 98, which was when Vivendi bought the, the giant, and then, well... Activision went ahead and acquired Vivendi and they merged the companies into some super massive colossal giant for 68 and now they're going to be turning each other to the city area at the power uh, the power of Microsoft I like if the politicians don't say anything about it when I heard this I was honestly thinking to myself okay okay do you really intend to follow through on this and like could they really get a monopoly hold without worrying about so much no idea we'll have to see as the year goes by meanwhile Activision State Microsoft and Bobby Kotick have not discussed post-closing employment arrangements okay can it just be gone like Everyone wants to get rid of Bobby Kotick. Like, no one wants him anymore, especially everything that came out about him. And, you know, threatening to have someone killed because how dare she, how dare she stand up for herself or say no to something? <laughs> what? Blasphemy. So, no, he has to go. Like, there is no way you can get a union with ABK Union Alliance without him being removed. Microsoft says they're not going to step in and stop the union forming. They're all right with it until something probably changes their mind. So why not just have the union form and get rid of Bobby Kotick? That's all they can do to really show they're on the, they're on the side of the employees. Get rid of Bobby Kotick. Like... The fact that there was not even a discussion like, you're being let go from your current place of employment. Or Vince screaming at him saying, you're fired, which would be honestly the best firing he ever did besides Trump. So, take that what you will. Uh, it's just, it's just like, he ha- and plus he has, he can't fire, they can't fire him, fire him entirely because he has a big $200 million surveillance package. Because, of course, he had a contingency plan. He planned everything out for that. That if anything happened to him, then he walks off with more money. (laughs) So this merging could just be him retiring, and he has a golden parachute, which means he'll leave with less money, but he'll still leave and be gone for good. So, Warner Brothers... 
the Minecraft movie. I can't believe I have to even say that. So, according to reports, Warner Brothers writes the Minecraft movie idea expires in January 2023, which means they're going to rush the film to all hell, like, you know, another company did. Uh, I think they were bought by Disney a little bit later on. Uh, it was Fantastic Four, Fan Four Six, so they quietly pooped out a, a, a new reboot, and, well, yeah, that didn't work out so well. So, anyways, back to the topic at hand. So they're going to hire, they're trying to negotiate with Jason Momoa to be in the Minecraft movie. <sighs> of course. Like, do we even, why do we still do this? You have a Minecraft movie where the possibilities are endless, or you could just adapt the Minecraft story mode. But now we gotta give the story of the big tough guy in a world of fun and whimsicalness, because that's somehow impossible to believe, and we must force this narrative for the upteenth time. So, good luck with that. So remember the famous Jack Nicholson acts that were loved from The Shining, and he, you know, smashed the door and said, here's Jackie, which was improv and, well, amazing. Well, uh, it's on sale for a hundred grand. Up for auction. With a minimum bid of $50,000, but it's expected to fetch over a hundred thousand dollars, saying that it comes in good condition and comes mounted as part of a display including images of the acts in action. of interest in crypto games. No one is doing NFTs. Huzzah! Finally! But you're all violating human rights and ethical reasoning, so, yeah. So, yeah, Blizzard is not getting into the NFT space, thank God, and there was subsequently much rejoicing. There was. And... Well, NFTs have kind of crashed, cryptocurrency has crashed, the blockchain, everything has crashed. So luckily, we don't have to deal with that. Until Square Enix and Ubisoft stop that everything's going to be a little bit longer to process, but okay. So... <laughs> um... Batman viewers just noticed a wild detail involving Paul Dano's The Riddler. If you haven't seen my review of the Riddler movie, uh, I mean, of the Batman, there's a scene early on, 31 minutes into the film, where you actually see the Riddler in the window opposite of the Iceberg Lounge, waiting and watching. Matt Reeves then confirmed it, saying, Indeed, I can confirm 100%, which means... 
yeah, that, that's kind of awesome. Oh, man. So, yeah, turns out that there was a theory posted in one fan that was in the already in the nightclub, which means he lived there. So they caught him first. Hidden in plain sight. Matt Reeves, you genius bastard. So anyways, Kushida left WWE. Yeah. Officially moved to the alumni roster. And word has broken that, yep, he is no longer with the company, confirmed by Fuffle Select. No idea what led to it, but it is expected to be that he is expected to be heading back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. His last wrestling appearance was March 25th edition of NXT Level Up, as he and Joe came up short against Endress, whatever their last name, and Malik Blade. His last single bout came about 2.0 on March 15th, when he was defeated by the debuting A Kid, and they formed a team called Jacket Time, and they lost on February 25th of NXT Level Up. So. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh, God, thank you. Now he can go back and be awesome. Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm pretty sure Kushida was just like, I just want to try this out. If it doesn't work, I'll probably head back to New Japan. So, word's been going on about that, that he might have left the company via his contract has gone, his ran out, so we can rejoice that he that he probably doesn't have a 90-day no-compete clause. We'll see as the days and weeks go by. If I was to be a betting man of how you should bring him back, I would recommend bringing him back right around the Forbidden Door event. And there's some details on that a little bit. Meanwhile, as WWE continues to lose talent, has now led to uh, further dissension. Alexa Bliss, who had to be given a whole bunch of garbage to work with and was told to bear the burn of being accused of everything that went wrong with Bray Wyatt's run. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was bad. Now, she is pissed off and has voiced her frustration to mid-sick Kennedy McMahon. And there were originally plans for Bliss to be involved in WrestleMania for the Raw Reeves title between Becky Lynch and Bette Belair, but those ideas were clearly shot down, and it was determined by February that she was also to compete at the grandest stage of them all. So, yeah. With it being noted that priority of booking Bliss shifted significantly after the therapy vignettes ended. So when exactly Bliss will return, we don't know. But the, she is on her honeymoon, so we'll have to see. And despite the fact that WWE has now unified the WWE Universal and Raw and, and, and WWE World titles into one unified belt, two belts, Roman two belts, and their plans to unify the tag team belts at WrestleMania Backlash... There are no plans to seemingly end the split. According to Dave Meltzer, so take it what you will, WWE aren't planning to merge the rosters right now, although Vince McMahon, although Meltzer knows that Vince could decisively different five minutes from now, so clearly it's, uh, well, it's currently saying this, but I don't know, so take it what you will, give me your money, please. So, yeah. Oh, man. Also... 
here's what I'm hoping for. I, I'm pretty sure they're not going to end the brand split for one particular reason. Because Fox and USA still hate each other. That's it. And they already have pissed off the networks enough. I don't think they need to be pissed off anymore. And I certainly don't think Fox wants Roman to go to Raw. And Raw would love to have Roman, but they don't want to lose their top guys to SmackDown. And then Fox will be pissed. And then USA will be pissed. And then everyone's going to be pissed off. And Vince is going to laugh about this. So, yeah. Also, because I don't know why, Marty O'Donnell and Mike Salvatoria, if I butchered that, I am sorry, filed a lawsuit in February claiming Microsoft was not paying them the agreed upon amount for using their music in the upcoming Halo TV series that's currently airing. And what will I? But in a tweet that came out on April 19th, Marty O'Donnell came out that say, looks like I'll be able to share some of those videos once again, Microsoft O'Donnell's Salvatoria Incorporated are pleased to have amicably resolved their differences. And a pair had originally claimed that they signed the contract with Microsoft that guaranteed them 20% of profits made from their music, such as in the Halo TV show, soundtracks, and so on. So, if this is 20%, then it doesn't seem like Microsoft's really making much money. Microsoft disagrees, saying that their music was made as a work for hire, meaning they own the music and not them. So, proceedings have been called off. There was a set trial date for May 9th, so it looks like they worked it out. Let's hope that this doesn't mean the end of the relationship, but, but who knows. So, we get more good news on the Star Wars front. Former Visual Game, following five years after Visual Games' closure spelled the end of the first attempt at a Star Wars game by, by Amy Henning, the director best known for her work on the Uncharted series, is trying it again, this time at Skydance Media, announcing that they're hard at work working on a brand new game set in the Star Wars universe. Little, little is known about it, the project saying that it will be a richly cinematic action-adventure featuring an original story set in the Star Wars galaxy. Henning's new Star Wars game is her second project at Skydance Media, where she is also working on a completely original game set in the Marvel Universe, so we're going to be awesome with that. Where she started a new division based around story-focused experience that will employ state-of-the-art computer graphics to provide the visual fidelity of television and film, but with an active, lean-in experience that puts the audience in the driver's seat. Previously employed as part of Project Ragtag, as part of Visual Game, Visual Cons, Visual Game, Visual... Vis visceral games. The project was said to be the style of the Uncharted series, but it was delayed and finally cancelled after EA closed it down because EA is a dictatorship and sought to move the project in a di different direction, which eventually ended up being fallen order, but without whatever they were going to go for. Reports painted it that a picture of an ambitious style that was nevertheless at odds with EA's direction at the time. Aim, which would lead to later releasing a single-player Star Wars game of its own, Fallen Order. So, everyone lost at the end of all this, except for EA. They got a ton of money out of it, so... Capitalism, everyone. But, right now, we're going to tune in for our ad break, and we'll be back after these messages. Take care, everybody, and see you soon. We're back again with the final half of episode 34. 
In other news, Rockstar has quietly removed GTA 5 content described as transphobic from new-gen console releases. After 10 years of the original release, kind of tells you where we're at right now, unfortunately. GTA 5 has come to, to modern consoles, and Rockstar's quietly removed a handful of characters and jokes from GTA 5 that critics have described as harmful stereotypes for the LGBT transgender people. First reported by Ars Technia, GTA community members have noted various changes to the remastered version of GTA 5 on the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. They include characters labeled as, quote, drag queens no longer spawning outside of cockatoes, in addition to having dialogue removed. Over on Reddit, another user noted that Captain Space Toy with interchangeable genitalia has been cut. In the new GTA 5 GTA Online, Christy Cloud, uh, Rockstar appears to have disabled trans caricatures or drag queens from spawning outside of cockatoes. This can be following a plea from out making games. Last year, I hope this provides comfort to anyone who felt those NPCs depicted harmful stereotypes. As community members have pointed out, the changes follow an open letter from Outmaking Games asking GTA 5, asking Rockstar Games to remove the content, which was described as transphobic as far as back as the original release. A follow-up on the article on Kotaku has also called for removal of content in the new gen releases. In the wake of these changes, they said they are thrilled by the removal of the content. IGN reached out for Rockstar on comments that have not received a response. Without making any posting a tweet last year, we wrote an open letter to Rockstar calling on to remove the transphobic content from the next gen releases of GTA 5. We're thrilled to say that they have. Thank you for everyone at Rockstar who presides prioritized this issue. Not the first time that Rockstar has opted to remove controversial content. The con- Confederate flag was removed from certain locations in GTA 5 back in 2015. It was replaced with the American flag. So. Yeah, pretty uh, insane stuff going on as Rockstar starts to be more comfortable around things and around subjects and whatnot, especially in the remastered content of the GTA Remastered Trilogy, which was not really a remaster, just it was bad. I'm pretty sure PC developers have done better with it. But moving on. So the content removed a whole bunch of offensive imagery like confederate flags and all that nonsense and considering what's happened in the last few years with everything I, I could understand why they removed it but it's ultimately going to be dependent on how things go on further down the road for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that they're producing, limited series coming on Disney Plus Hayden Christensen who has played Anakin Skywalker in the live action movies came out and revealed Yes, I went ahead and binge-watched the entire Star Wars animated shows, specifically The Clone Wars and Rebels, to gain additional perspective on the franchise, since for pretty much the most part, he has been away from the franchise for a long time. Outside of interviews and podcasts, he hasn't really touched it after playing the role of Anakin in the live-action movies. Now he was set to he was set to appear in the Rise of Skywalker, or as I like to call it, the nihilistic outlook on everything is depressing. Oh my God, will you please make it stop? But that's a different subject altogether. He was set to appear in there. He there was film, there was there was costumes poured on, but Disney cut it because they need to make Ray look awesome. So yeah, 
instead of Ray getting help from the Force Ghost of the Jedi's past, they instead said, no, Ray's awesome, she has the power! And whatnot, and killed Palpatine. Though I'm trying to wonder, when I look back on it, I'm like, wait, but Palpatine wanted to die by Ray's hand, and wouldn't this mean that Palpatine's still alive and Ray now? And when that re re resulted in like shenanigans and oh my god, I'm thinking this too deep. Okay. So Hayden Christensen came out and said that it was interesting. They did a lot with these characters in those shows, and they further explored the relationship. There was some interesting stuff to learn about. It was great finally getting back to reimmerse yourself into the world that just continues to grow and become more and more vast after they rebooted it, and then they had to change it up again and whatnot. Also, Ewan McGregor watched every Star Wars movie they released since the release to reacquaint himself with the series, or as he put it, just get back into that world. So, that just leads to me thinking, yes, we are going to get Clone Wars episode flashbacks to show Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship during other days, probably post-Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. Maybe one flashback with Ahsoka as a live-action character in her younger years. So, yeah! Let's do it! Let's have it go! Meanwhile, Jane Foster's four character will appear in the Marvel Avengers video game as a roster of the roster of playable characters. Since the, fir the first of a new character since the Spider-Man released in November of 2021, Jane, who has appeared in the four comics since the early 1960s, will join the game in Update 2.5. And while announcing Jane Foster, they always say that Jane Foster 4 will be a unique hero with her own abilities. Saying our hero designs are driven first and foremost by the co their core comic book identities. So, as fellow wielder of Mjolnir, her suite of abilities from a lot of comic books and how she will have elements that are distinctly Jane Foster. Square Enix posted in the development update. It's unclear what the rest of the update will include or when it will launch. However, Square Enix plans to review more details of Jane's role in the future as more news regarding 2.5 comes out. Jane's announcement arrives alongside the details regarding 2.4, which is slated to release in May. Which focuses on retooling the game's rotation of events to keep things fresh and compelling for replays. This will include more diverse rewards, higher power level gear rewards, and rewards that apply to player, players' entire roster instead of just one hero. So, yeah, they, they, they planned this. They, they have this whole thing planned about Jane Foster. Like, they were going to show her in the trailer, and then they could show her in the video game. I'm curious to know what the story will be in this case because. Whereas Spider-Man couldn't get a story for various factors, a.k.a. he's a Sony exclusive, so therefore they couldn't really do the stuff they could do, like what they did with Black Panther and with Hawkeye, but yeah. Speaking of comic book characters comes alive, Ezra Miller got arrested again. The actor was arrested on Tuesday morning according to a release from Hawaii Police Department. Miller was taken into custody on the Big Island at around 1.30 a.m. local time following an altercation and a gathering at a private residence. The Royal Police reports Miller, who is 29 years old, he's three years older than me, became irate after being asked to leave and reportedly threw a chair, striking a 26-year-old female on the forehead resulting in an approximate half-inch cut. The victim refused treatment for the injury. Miller was then arrested during a traffic stop shortly after, but released pending further investigation. 
It remains an active investigation. Representatives from Miller did not immediately respond to Entertainment Weekly's request for comment. And this is the star's second bout of legal trouble in Hawaii in a month after the arrest and charged with disorderly conduct in late March following an incident at a karaoke bar. That was And that was allegedly one of the numerous complaints made against them since the beginning of March. Look, I, I, uh, I loved Ezra Miller as The Flash in the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. But I'm gonna be honest. As much as I would love to see the Snyderverse be continued, uh, probably as its own limited series of sorts on HBO Max, I don't think Ezra Miller is the right person to continue the role because they are clearly unstable. They've been in several events where they have gotten arrested. And Warner Media is all, well, what are we going to do? Do we get rid of them? Do we fire them? Do we put their projects on hold? What do we do? So, yeah, and even violated it. Violated a restraining order. And then they retracted it. Um, and, as, and Ezra Miller was even a guest at a couple's house. They allowed him... To stay at the hostel. Oh, had burst into their room, threatened them, and stole some of their belongings, including a passport and a wallet, because that's not an indication that Ezra Miller's lost all sanity. I'd like to also mention Ezra Miller plays a major role in Fantastic Beast series. So, yeah, the Fantastic Beast series is clearly not doing so well. J.K. Rowling is too busy blowing stuff up on the internet. And Johnny Depp has been replaced after what happened with Amber Heard and the trial still ongoing. I won't go into that. Uh, let's see. Money's being lost on the Fantastic Beast, and it looks like they're going to put the franchise on pause. So we're kind of screwed here. So... After Netflix lost over 200,000 subscribers and their stocks crashed, Netflix prepares for password sharing crackdown after losing 200,000 subscribers on its earnings call. The CFO of, of at Netflix reassured investors that despite its projections for a 2 million subscriber drop next quarter, they should expect subscri subscription growth to resume in the latter half of the year. So Netflix has been trying to crack down and they even announced that they're going to do an ad supported tier, cheaper, lowering the cost, yet, yet able to go ahead and reassure people that we're still going to keep this going, but they have to cut the animation department in half from what I heard and after the whole, and they also lost 700,000 subscribers due to suspending its services of Russia, due to the war in the Ukraine, and, yeah, and Netflix did gain 500,000 subscribers elsewhere during that period, so they brought it down to a 200,000 loss. Still, even excluding calling it a net of 500,000 subscribers, that's still a massive drop compared to what Netflix's forecast originally was, a gain of 2.5 million that didn't come anywhere near, because circumstances happened and the world sucks. 
So, yeah, they're, they're and definitely not helping stuff. So, figure that what you will. Along with that, good news for those who were finally looking for a sequel to Tales from the Borderlands. They finally announced it. Yeah. Finally announced. Finally announced. New season of Tales from the Borderlands. Announced during Gearbox's Pack East panel of 2022, CEO Randy Pitchford, you, you know, the pathological person who's very problematic, so take over what you will. This new game will be fully revealed in the summer, but in the meantime, the first teaser areas were shared. On Twitter, saying new adventures, new characters, new tales, all new tales from the Borderlands is coming to 2022 from Gearbox and 2K. I'm curious to know if we'll see, you know, <laughs> yeah, nah. uh, I was gonna say Telltale Games was gonna get involved, but Gearbox is instead developing the game completely in house, and 2K will be handling the publishing. So, Tales from the Borderlands, released in 2014, tell the stories between the events of Borderlands 2 and 3, follow two unreliable na- narrators, Rias and Fiona, as they search for the vault for a vault and ran into fan favorite borderline characters like Claptrap. Oh, and also uh, a lot of shenanigans happened and hijinks ensued. So I might go back to that one day. But um Yeah. Uh, sad that Telltale Games isn't really going to do anything. And considering how the show, how the game ended initially, I kept thinking, like, are they going to follow up on what happened to them afterwards? I know they showed up again in a later in the next game, well, specifically Rias, I believe. But we didn't know what happened to them in between them. So, Yeah. So, yeah, this is the insanity that we're going to get, and, yeah, get ready, everybody. So, for those who are mad that Daniel Garcia is not part of Blackpool Combat Club, you can blame Chris Jericho for that. So, yeah, according to Dave Meltzer from Wrestling's Over Newsletter, Garcia was discussed as a potential member of Blackpool Combat Club. But those houses who were shelling Dr. Chris Jericho personally picked the Red Death to be a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society. So, if you want to blame anyone for any of this, you can blame Jericho. You're welcome, as Jericho would say. But, um, yeah. Considering the group was announcing... Considering Brian was teasing Daniel Garcia and there was a clear distinction he was considering it... Yeah, it was kind of disappointing to hear that he wasn't joining the group and instead was joining up with the Sports Entertainment Society group, a.k.a. JSA, J- Jericho Appreciation Society. I was mixed on that, but he is thriving. It just shows you how the 23-year-old also recently discussed joining the faction, knowing he wanted to learn how to be a sports entertainer, especially as he was already a very good wrestler inside the square circle. So yeah, it helps him with his microphone skills and helps him to be a character. So, I'll give him credit that that, was, that that was the biggest reason he wanted to join, other than, you know, Chris Jericho being his hero and all that. Meanwhile, AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling's Forbidden Door card has not yet locked in stone. No matches have been announced for the show as of yet, while, and while the 
Expectations of the card will be littered with bouts of New Japan versus AEW that isn't locked in stone, according to Dave Meltzer. And the show could instead feature AEW versus AEW and New Japan versus New Japan Pro Wrestling content. I do believe there might be a mix of both. Like, there's going to be some AEW matches, New Japan matches, and maybe some AEW versus New Japan matches. Because, you know, balance everything out. And plus, they have some storylines going on with AEW wrestlers going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, yeah, I definitely do think we're going to see John Moxley, Blackpool Combat Club, kick ass and tick names. And like I said, and, and like they said, we're still months away from it, June 26th. So they still have time to plan things out. And Tony Khan's definitely trying to do something here. Still hoping Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling join in on the fun. Especially since Ring of Honor is owned by Tony Khan. So, yeah, the upcoming Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear, uh, Pixar has since clarified that it's an in-universe science fiction movie that Toy Story's Buzz Lightyear action figure is based upon, and also it's going to be a time travel sci-fi movie. If I had to take the wildest guess, and then I thought when I saw some posts on Twitter, they said, oh, maybe it's the movie of Buzz Lightyear, and that the TV show and animated movie we got was actually the sequel that took place after the movie, so really either way he wins. And because time travel is such a big factor, Chris Evans is voicing Buzz Lightyear instead of Tim Allen who has voiced the action figure version for years in Toy Story movies. <laughs> yeah. Tells you a lot. <laughs> there was apparently heavier versions of a super sad movie, but vile versions of the film have struck the correct balance in their eyes. So... That happened. Time travel, Chris Evans, Captain America. Captain America! F yeah! America! So. According on reported by Games Radar, Walgreens uh, recently sat down with his SFX magazine to weigh up the pitfalls and opportunities that come with exploring the MCU multiverse, knowing that the delicate balance that needs to be found when adding multi-layers to your story and the importance of making it personal when expanding your horizons to pack it all in. Saying in the interview, the dangers you can expand your scope too wide and you can actually reduce the stakes if you don't make it personal as you go bigger and wider. The opportunity in the multiverse is to have characters confront the literal what-if and alternate versions of themselves, and perhaps others in their lives. It's an interesting way to hold up a mirror to characters. I mean, like, we could reference Jonathan Hickman's X-Men and explain how it's trying to be a mirror on society and whatnot, and how the societal shifting in political culture and economic violence is spread throughout the world, and it's dividing people and cultures enough to the point that they're going on the verge of chaos. As we've seen in Immortal X-Men, where we saw a giant monster respawn. Or as the Suicide Squad movie would say, We gotta freaking catch you up in the shit! So, yeah. So this is, so, Bennett coming back to his character, Doctor Strange, will traversing the mind-bending dangers, alternate realities, and the multi-
multiverse to confront a new mysterious adversary and push the boundaries of the multiverse further than ever, and it seemingly come with several emotional implications. Waldron added, In every way, it's the shape of the emotional heart of the story. The multiverse isn't just a MacGuffin where we're like, okay, this is just the kitsy thing that we're playing with this in this movie. If your fans were alternate realities and alternate versions of yourself, that has become the emotional heart. Exploring who you might be if you were a different version of yourself, if you made other choices, right or wrong. It's complex stuff emotionally, and that's exactly why it's so thrilling and so great for a cast as dramatically talented as this one. Rumor has it that uh, <laughs> Superior Iron Man is going to show up, and if that is the case, awesome. And Tom Cruise might be playing him, but he, but he's also been stuck dealing with the um, insanity that is the Mission Impossible movies, so take it what you will. If he is in the movie, I think at best he'll get like 30 minutes. Uh, like He's not the main character, but he's probably going to fight Scarlet Witch considering based on that trailer we got where there's a literal glowing guy or woman we don't know, it looked more like a guy it showed this outfit that definitely resembled the Superior Iron Man outfit and definitely, and I like to stay, stay, I can't stress this enough did glow orange, and while you could say, oh well that's probably Captain Marvel doing it, or maybe the original Captain Marvel from the comics Tom Taylor even weighed in the possibility that it could be Superior Iron Man because he said that the suit in his comics was specifically grows orange to red when he is extremely pissed off. So, I'm pretty sure being tossed around like a ragdoll by the Scarlet Witch, or a version of her, definitely would piss him off. So he said, so Waldron then said after he watched the first Doctor Strange movie several times and prepared, while preparing for the sequel because he wanted to really understand the titular character and the journey he's so far been on, which is just the one movie if you really want to go, if you want to really be pedantic about it. Saying, I wanted to figure out who was that character in that movie, who, who he was at the end of it. Okay, so what I see through the course of these Avengers movies and everything else leading through to Spider-Man. So, yeah. Sam Raimi's directed the movie, get ready for that insanity, and let's check into the final piece of news before we sign off and enjoy this last ad break. The next Fast and Furious movie will be announced by, was announced by Ben Diesel as Fast X, aka Fast 10. And production has already begun as of April 20th, saying with the Diesel including the caption about day one. Till since... Day one-ish, either down since day one-ish. And that Brie Larson, aka Captain Marvel, aka the overpowered character where the writers even admitted they forgot to make a weakness for her, had joined the Fast and Furious cast. While her role has not been confirmed, she they, Diesel said that she will bring something that fans have unknown, unknowingly longed for. Okay, if they didn't know what they wanted, then does that mean that wasn't really known? in the post, you have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology. <laughs> okay. What mythology? What's the mythology? When I think of mythology, I think of the DC universe. I think of the Marvel universe. I think of the Greek gods. I think of Egyptian gods. I think of the Christian Bible. I think of the religious mythologies. Why is so insane? about the Fast and Furious mythology. It's a bunch of, it was a starting off as a bunch of cars racing to Wicked and Sandy in space. 
abuse. And Diesel memeing himself into a horrendous, horrendous state where he's turned into... <gasps> family man. The family. Say, beyond her beauty, beyond her intelligence, her Oscar, haha, is this profound soul who will add something you might not have expected but yearn for? Welcome to the family, Bree. She's also joined by Aquaman Jason Momoa playing the film's villain, while the Suicide Squad's character Daniel Danielle is also joining the family. I know who's not joining, and he can smell what is cooking. Fast X will be the first half of a two-point finale to the franchise in Royal Ivory Theaters in May 19, 2023, unless horrendous disasters occur, aka COVID, and whatnot, because the world wants to screw itself up still and shoot itself in the foot. Okay, that happened. Also, WWE reportedly wants to bring back Asuka and Mustafa Ali, even though really Mustafa Ali just wants to get out of here. He doesn't want to stay. He wants out. Just let him go. For God's sakes. Oh my God, will you stop making the pain suffer so much? But anyways, yeah. Asuka, I'm glad to see her coming back, so props to her. We'll see what she brings to the table, and I can't wait to see when she'll eventually fight Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, because really that women's division needs some serious name power, drawing power for this match, where you've run out of people. And you pretty much fired half of them, so, uh, yeah. So, everyone, this was Neo Reality Collective. Stay tuned for more content down the road, and also enjoy this final ad break and outro, and we'll see you all again next time. Take care. Be sure to donate to the brand, and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.